Well, I want someone to straighten out tomorrow for sure. It's 11 past 7 if you have just joined us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the JSB Hazara Michelle Constant. We're on the sixth floor of the SABC and looking out the window in Johannesburg. It's a perfectly clear sky, but misty morning, mist across the whole extent of our view here from the sixth floor. So, of course, it seems appropriate. Bob Marley, who is light as a feather with Misty Mornings. And uh, if there's a song that you'd like to hear, your big, fat, juicy, a song that's going to go, get out of bed or Ooh, stay in bed with a cup of coffee, then now's the time to start sending in that list so that Lyle Ann and Tabi Singh can start searching through our archives to see what we can find for you. And as you do it, you SMS it, you WhatsApp it, or you just give us a call or even follow us on Twitter. We're going to start uh, talking about food and food rescue. What happens to food in restaurants? What happens to food in stores, in markets, and uh, the restocking of shelves. But let's go all the way back along the value chain. What happens to excess food, if it does happen, uh, even on farms? Well, to tell us a little bit more about it, Hanika von Linger is a managing director at Nosh Food Rescue, which is a not-for-profit company. Hanika, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm feeling fabulous. How are you? (laughs) Excellent. Beautiful day indeed. So, Hanika, let's go uh, through that. Uh, I suppose one could call it the value chain of food until it gets to our stomach. You know, they always talk about from uh, tail to snout. But let's talk about how it's grown, where it goes, and what happens to, and I'm putting this in inverted commas, the waste. The waste. So, um, in South Africa, we waste about 10.6 million tons of food a year. That is about... 30% 30% of our production, what? which is di- which is diabolical, um, given that roughly half of our population does not know where its next meal is coming from. Um, because of the way the system is structured, 10.6 million tons of food get wasted. Um, in South Africa, about 45 to 48% of that is between the farm up to the retail level. Um, The rest of it is from retail um, and hospitality and in homes. But the bulk of of the loss is indeed between the farm and retail. Um, And only about 18% of that 10.6 million tons is at the home, which is still higher than in the rest of Africa. In the rest of Africa, it's only about 5% wasted at household level. So um, we're inching a bit closer to the the sort of call it the the developed world, world with respect to where our wastage happens. So, Hanika, let's just go back a step. You say that um, 30% of our food which is produced in this country is goes to waste. Does and not go to human or animal consumption, yeah. D- yeah, so, okay, so does not go to human or animal consumption. And I think here's an interesting thing. The fact that you correct me and say it's not, we're not using the term waste, what's that about? So, to me, I've always said waste is a verb. Food is not waste. It's not waste until you waste it. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, and, and we try to distinguish in the industry between what is waste and what is surplus. 
So waste, for example, would be if you slaughter a cow, uh, perhaps the bones um, and the skin and tendons. And, you know, and, and in fruit, it might be pips and peels, for example. That might be considered waste. Whereas surplus would be, oh, wait, the customer didn't buy in the end because there was too much or it grew too fast or it is the wrong shape or there's a lot of waste because of cosmetics and because of um, sort of retail requirements around aesthetics, um, which is a particular bugbear for me. Just because it's skewed doesn't mean it has no nutrition. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so for us, we try to distinguish between what is waste and what is surplus. But again, because something is surplus, it might get wasted. And that yeah. is where we kind of try to try to jump in to see how can we reduce food being wasted, reduce the surplus from going to waste. So why is it so high, that percentage? It's, it, 30% is a global average. Okay. It's a global average of what, go, what is grown in the world that gets wasted. So in South Africa, we are on a par with a global average, yeah. whereas in countries like the US um, and the UK and, and the, call it the more developed countries, their averages are up to 45%, 48% of production Jeez. is wasted. It's diabolical. But how does that happen? Why is that happening? So it's really, it's at every point along the value chain, there is waste. There might be yeah. waste on the farm where something is overripe or underripe and it drops and it doesn't get harvested. Um, a large percentage of our waste happens on the first 100 meters off the farm because the farm roads are so bad. So the pallets and the boxes break and fall in the back of the truck, for example. Yeah. There might be breaks in the cold chain where safety can't necessarily be guaranteed, so it has to be discarded. And especially with the load shedding now, we're getting a lot of customers saying, you know, they, they've got a compromised cold chain. Could we potentially intervene because they cannot sell it? There are standards... Um, you know, in in stores, for example, we as customers demand perfect produce. Yeah. So when something starts getting a little bit sad or a little bit bruised and they perceive that the customer is no longer going to buy it, it gets discarded. So we as customers are a part of the problem as well. Um, and then obviously it gets wasted because it hits sell-by date or people don't understand the difference between use-by, best-before, um, you know, and sell-by. You know, there's a lot of misinformation around the dating. So let's 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 actually just tease that one apart because if I go into the store and then I see that the sell-by date is today, what is the date today? The fourth or whatever it is of March. Yeah. Uh, the sell-by date is the fourth of March. The use-by so, date might be the fifth of March. But there's a potential then that I could still eat it on the sixth of March. Precisely. So, so the use-by date tends to have safety implications. Yeah. And normally it is, it should, and it's normally, that's really only important when you're talking about dairy um, and animal products. Yeah. So you, you won't normally find a use-before date on a lot of other products. The sell-by date is a time by which it has to be off the shelf. By that stage, the retailer has to, has to take it off the shelf and do whatever it is that he, he does with it. Um, there's also a best before, which is the first date, which is it's going to be at its crunchiest, at its freshest. It is going to be best before that date. So that's yeah. a progression. Best before, sell by, use by. Um, but after that, if you get it home, it is more than likely still perfectly fine to freeze, for example, or to pickle, or yeah. to turn into jam. So there's, there's many ways of extending the, the actual um, sort of shelf life of that product, of that produce. Um, but, you know, we need to do some education and, and skills development around that, obviously. But it doesn't necessarily make it unsafe Yeah. when we hit the sell-by date. That doesn't make it unsafe. 
So best before sell by use by is the is yes. the is the is the chronological that is a, that is a progression yeah okay and i have to say there is one retailer that frankly if you buy their their um say their peaches they can probably last freaking a whole week or two after that because they yeah. sort of feel like they're cryogenically perfectly like <laughs> maintained but let me not go there so you know what i was thinking when you said you know people don't want to buy a tomato which is a bit skew or looks a bit odd the shape is different and i'm thinking how is it not about shifting the way we think about food and the world? We th- you know, we've gone into the space where actually things are artisanal. So when someone grows vegetables in their garden, we're like, this is amazing. But when you grow a vegetable in your garden, you might get some really strange-looking tomatoes, but they're still tomatoes. And you might get a pumpkin which is six times the size of a normal pumpkin, which would never go into the retail store. Why are we not approaching it um, from that point of view? I, I think we absolutely should. And I, I am a permaculturist, so I also grow my own. Um, so I absolutely see the value in that. And there definitely needs to be a shift. But also, and, and that is in the mindset of the public, but if you think in terms of retail, for example, their packaging has been designed around a certain size of, oh, of avos. Yeah. And those four avos in that one little box of four fit exactly into the that crate, and that is a standardized crate around the industry. Everybody uses the same crates. So if you get your avos bigger, all of a sudden it doesn't fit into standard packaging. So logistically yeah. it starts becoming a nightmare. So, you know, to a certain extent I can understand um, but it, the whole system, I feel, needs to be tailored more to, like you say, maybe not the autism, but the smaller scale, the more, the more sort of customizable, the more, the more tailored um, yeah. approach, rather than the mass approach. And look, that is also hard. You, I, I, I can see it from both sides. You know, Hanukkah, um, you... retail has those parameters that they have to deal with in their fridges, and you know, it, yeah. it is hard. You are um, the managing director of Nosh Food Rescue, which actually acts as a, I suppose one could say, the middleman between yes. uh, the farmers, the retail food waste, and then, of course, um, the people who are at the end of the value chain who actually need that food. Just describe that process of what you do a little further for us. So, so we refer to ourselves as a, as a meta charity. So we're, we're a, a nonprofit that helps other nonprofits. So we've got about 150 organizations, um, that we help, <coughs> that we help, pardon me, with produce. Um, some on a, on a daily basis, some only on a weekly basis, some on an ad hoc basis when we have large donations. I mean, the other day, for example, we got 20 tons of frozen chicken feet. Um, and that was because a customer um, found that they uh, took longer to cook than our local equivalents, so they uh, they cancelled the order. Said they said this product is defective, and and the, the importer didn't have any other uptake. So twenty tons of chicken feet. Jeez. I then they contact us. I mobilise my network of, of vehicles and beneficiary organisations. We then fetch it. They take it into into their communities. Some will cook, some will turn it into food parcels, some will distribute. Um, when they have more than what they need for their own organization, they will share with organizations in their community, and that's how we move the produce. So it's really, it's, it's logistics. Um, yeah. With that added time pressure of we're already looking at produce which needs to move in a hurry. So it's logistics with, you know, with, with forfeits, and logistics with extra pressure. How successful are you at this? Pardon me, sorry, I didn't hear. I said, how successful are you at this? 
Um, well, I we are tiny, so there, there's two. There's another organisation, Food Forward. Um, they are significantly bigger than we are. They, we yeah. we operate slightly differently, and we 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 target different types of produce. Yeah. Um, and then there's also SA Harvest that are also doing great work. They're, they're also rescue, but again, different types of produce, and we all work slightly differently. But I think between the three of us, we're not even touching sides. You know, if if we were, there wouldn't be so much hunger in South Africa. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe being a bit judgmental here, but um, look, you know, we're all working incredibly hard, and, we, and we're trying to grow and we're trying to scale up. But we need significant support to be able to really scale up and access more of that. Um, that said, the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa has um, been running a food loss and waste initiative for the last three years. Um, so we're trying to inform um, government with respect to our Consumer Protection Act because yes. Um, every South African citizen has the right not to be schneid by a cell phone provider, but every South African <laughs> citizen also has the right not to starve. So so our Consumer Protection Act, in a way, needs to be tweaked when it comes to food because we yeah. have a very strong, um, very strong Consumer Protection Act in South Africa, yeah. which is great. But, you know, would you rather have a meal that is slightly substandard or would you like to have a meal at all? You know that yeah. that sort of question of morality is is for me um, that that we, that needs the conversation needs to be brought in in at those levels, um, and then there's best practice donation guides being developed by the by the Food Loss and Waste Initiative, and so we're looking at at reforming the industry and reforming the, sort of you know everything around the food system. It's slow going, but you know there are there are steps in place, but but everybody needs help to really scale up so that we can in the meantime. You know, rescue what is already being wasted. For me, that is literally low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, we are already growing it. We don't need to grow more. We are already growing it. Now we just need to, we need to extract it from the system. Um, that that you know that doesn't allow us to do so because the legal liability for what happens with that produce still lies with the producer, and that needs to change. That legal liability needs to shift because this is why a lot of retailers are hesitant potentially to donate. It can potentially be a bit of an expensive exercise because all the steps along the way cost money, cost the retailer money, and then there's a legal liability around what could potentially happen with it. Yeah. So a lot of retailers or stores cut their losses it's cheaper and easier just to dump it than to actually work with a donation agency you know it's, okay. uh, it's all about rounds and things so if people want to get hold of you and maybe they've got food or on the converse side of the the, the, the value chain maybe they need food how do they do it Okay, they can get hold of us through the website. It's noshfoodrescue.co.za. Yeah. We're also on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Not as responsive on Twitter because I just don't have the time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's normally the best way. Um, info at noshfoodrescue.co.za is the email address. Um, if people, individuals and families have requests for food and food parcels, we struggle with that a little bit because we help other beneficiary organizations. We are not really in a position to help individuals and families, but we try to match them up with one of our beneficiary organizations if we can. Um, but anybody that has surplus food or anybody that would like to donate or would like to volunteer or however they would like to get involved, then those are the channels to, to get involved in. Hanninga Funlinga, Managing Director at Nosh Food Rescue. It's a systemic thing, it's a policy-making thing, and it is an issue with huge, huge uh, 
surplus of food. Let's not uh, waste it. Let's uh, see how we can use it. 